service this morning. Amen. I tell you, it was a wonderful service this morning. God bless you, Brother Ed. Spirit of the Lord just moving. I know it was sweeping in this building. It was sweeping in when he sat in Rome. So I believe God was really moving on our hearts and encouraging us to come a little higher. Amen. Amen. I really thank the Lord for that. Amen. Well, we, we, we sure want to show glory and we're going to let the Lord show glory tonight. Amen. Well, thank you, musicians and Brother Myron. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Well, perhaps let's just bow our heads for a few minutes and we'll get into the words. Amen. Oh dear Heavenly Father, I just come to you this evening and we want to say thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you are faithful, Lord God. And Father, this evening we just want to really take a little bit of time, O oh Lord, and we just want to show glory, Lord. We just want to give you all the praise and the honor that you deserve, O oh God. For, Lord, there is no one like unto you, O oh God. You are the Almighty One, Lord. When you speak, O oh Heavenly Father, everything is silent, O oh God. O oh Father, and this evening we desire you to come and speak, O oh Lord, Father. May you quieten our hearts, O oh Lord. May you quieten our minds, O oh Lord. May you quieten every other voice, O oh Lord. I'll try to speak to us this evening, O oh God. And, Lord, may we just hear from you, O oh Lord. May your word come, O Lord, straight, O Father, Lord, into our souls, O Lord God, and bring a change in us, O Lord. You know where each and every one of us is, O Lord, and we just ask that you meet with every soul, Lord, this evening, O God. From the youngest to the oldest, O Lord, Father, we pray that you move from pew to pew, O God. The Father, you move down through the aisles, O Lord Jesus. The Father, every need this evening will be met, O God. The Father, no one who lived us blessed the same way they came in, but Lord, O God, what a changed people, O God. Live this place, the Lord, having come in contact with a maker, O Lord God. Father, live this place completely restored, O Heavenly Father. Lord, we surrender all that we are unto you, O Father. And we want to say, Lord, that we love you, O God. Lord, when we ask you, Lord, you took this, the, the service this morning, Lord. Father, we ask that you take it this evening also, O God. O Father, you speak to our hearts, O Lord. Father, we surrender ourselves to you. I surrender myself to you, O God. Father, I pray even, Lord, that you grant me grace with my voice, O Lord, this evening. I don't know what is just happening now, but Lord, I just ask that you take control, O Father. Amen. 
Lord, you grant the voice, Lord, to speak your own word, oh, Father. Lord, we just ask the Lord, you prepare the hearts, the Lord. And Father, Lord, you take them also, Lord, you minister to them to save the Lord. We just want to say thank you, Lord. And we just want to say that we love you, oh, God. We surrender all to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. Take your Bibles. Amen. I want to turn to the book of Judges this evening. To a very familiar character in the book of Judges. And we'll find his name in the Heroes of Faith in Hebrews 11. Tonight we want to just speak a bit about him. Amen. Judges 16, read from verse 27 to verse 30. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. And there upon the roof about three thousand men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood, and on which it was borne up, of the one with his right hand, and of the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might. And the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. Amen. Amen. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of the word. You may have your seat. Amen. Amen. Sure thank the Lord for this morning. It's sure been a battle this week. Speaking to John back and forth, but it's sure been a battle. The enemy sure was fighting hard for this evening, and different things has happened, but we're trusting that the Lord will take control, amen. And now he's trying to fight my voice, and oh my, <laughs> but you know, God is in control, amen. Tonight we want to speak on restoring a shaven experience. Restoring a shaven experience, Amen. It was on Wednesday, Brother Ed was still speaking on leaving Babylon, and the subtitle was the identification with Jerusalem. And as he spoke, he, he came to a point and he started to talk about experience. And the Lord was already kind of moving me towards a certain direction, but when he started speaking on experience, the Lord really started to direct me this way, and... That's what an experience, and he said, an experience identifies you with something. And when we have an experience with God, it identifies us with Christ. Amen. An experience is going to identify you with something. Amen. And tonight, we don't don't just want to talk about a restoration of of an experience at the altar. Definitely, it is a great experience, and, and if someone is in need of a restoration of 
of what perhaps, you know, the Lord did for them some years back at the altar. And, and it has them called and, and, and they desiring the Lord to move on their heart this evening. I believe that the Lord will be more than faithful to move on their heart this evening. But we just don't want to stop at just that experience of, of being there and receiving the Lord and receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But what we want to talk about this evening by the grace of God is, is an experience that will identify us with what we were before the foundation of the world. An experience that identifies us way back where we began. Because you see, we were there. See, we were there when he said, let there be light. See, we were there that day when he stopped the sun and he stopped the moon. We were there. See, we were there that day when he stood at Lazarus' grave and he called him out of the grave. We were there. You were there with him. I was there with him. And that's what we want to go back to identify yourselves with. We want the restoration of that identification because we saw we saw our name written upon that book. We were there that day when he put all those names down. We saw it. But it will take an experience to bring you back there because without an experience, it can never be a reality to you. See, without an experience, the baptism of the Holy Ghost will never be a reality to you. But it's an experience that brings the reality. It is an experience that identifies you with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And we have seen, we have seen, we have seen the, 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 the sheave been waved and we have seen the first seed come to maturity. And when it came to maturity, it manifested the exact spoken word that was right there at the beginning. And you heard it this morning. It manifested the exact same time. Amen. And there is where we are going back to. The sons and daughters of God are full of authority. Amen. And I believe that as Brother Dan was saying as he was leading songs, that nothing is going to stop us. See, the cycle has already begun, and nothing is going to stop this bride. Nothing is going to stop you from going back to where you came from. Brother Branham was speaking, 1959, and I want you to notice the year. It's 1959, in time of decision, Chicago. Brother Branham was speaking, and he would say, he's just about to start a sermon. And he says, so the church is not in its right state yet. Now remember, this is 1959. It says, so the church is not in its right state yet. It said, we have to remember that. It's not matured. So we just have to linger and do the best that we can. But now listen to what it says here. And it says, and there is no one can bring it to maturity, only the Holy Spirit as we listen to it. There is nothing that's going to bring the seed to maturity, but only the Holy Spirit is what will bring it to maturity. And I said, I don't believe it will come, it will ever come by man. It will, it will have to come by God. You see, this restoration is not going to come by a man. You see, but his brother Branham that stood on the scene. Yes, he was the vessel, but the restoration that was happening was a restoration from God. It wasn't from man. Hallelujah. And I I believe that the name there is a restoration that is about to happen in the life of sons and daughters of God because this was spoken in 1959 and I believe that from 1959 to this day 
today. The seed is not at where it used to be, but I believe that the seed is coming to maturity. I believe that the seed has been lying under that sun to be ripened, to come to that maturity. And I believe this day in 2021, I believe that there is a people that has come to that maturity. There is a people that are going to have a body change. There is a people that are getting ready for a rapture. Hallelujah. I believe that the season has come. The season has come for the seed to come, to this, for the seed to manifest its full potential. And the full potential of the seed we had it this morning was just as it was in the Garden of Eden. That was the fullness of that seed, of the potential that was in the seed. When God and man was united together. When the voice of man wasn't just his voice, but that was God speaking through the man. When he could say to that mountain, just move away, because my sweetheart here just needs the sun. When he could just speak tense into existence and he could move tons away. I believe that's where we are coming to. Amen. I believe that's the season that we are living in right now. Brother Branham was speaking the seed. The seed is not here with the shock, Jeffersonville. Now in 1965, Brother Branham was speaking, and he was saying, Now notice, but at the opening of the seven seals, Revelation 10, the full word is to be born into manifestation again. And vindicated by the Spirit of God in the full strength as it was when he was here on earth. Amen. And it said manifested in the same way, doing the same things that he did when it was here on earth. That is what the seed is going to come to. And I believe that that is the season that we are living in. Because the seals have been torn open. Revelation 10.7 has been made known unto us. The thunders have done sounded. Hallelujah. And I believe it ever sounded. They must produce a manifestation of a son and of a daughter of God. But you see, how does Jesus manifest the seed in this age? The way Jesus manifested the seed in his age is that he acted upon what the word said about him. That's all he did. What the word said about him, that is what he acted upon. The word has spoken about him, and the word has said that he was going to come, and he was going to bind up the brokenhearted. He, the word has said that he was going to come and proclaim liberty to the captive. The word has come and has said that he was going to bring out of the prison them that they were bound. And when it came on earth, there was no one person in the prison that stayed in there. When he met Legion that day, he was full of demons. But because the word said that all those who were bound in the prison were supposed to come out, he knew what the word said about them. And he took that word and all the 10,000 demons and all those legions that were gathered together had to leave that mind. Why? Because there was a word that was an him that was supposed to come to maturity. There was a word that was an him that was was supposed to be manifested. 
Every captive had to be set free. Every hand that was pained, every broken heart was, 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 was supposed to be pained together again. Because that was what the word said about him. But now I want to ask you, what does the word say about you? What does the word say about you? Because that is what is going to bring the manifestation. See, all Jesus did was literally manifest simply what the word said. And what we are called to do is to manifest simply what the word said. And remember, that is not something that you said, but that's something that he said. No, I just want to remember some few, and this is just some few scriptures. But you go to John 16, 23. And it said, these things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. He said, in the world, in the world ye shall have tribulation. And we're living in a world, if the world was the time that we are having tribulation, it's in this world. If it hasn't come to its fullness yet, but we can feel the pressure coming on us. But you see, the scripture did not end there. The scripture said, but you be of good cheer. In the midst of tribulation, you be of good cheer. See, you want to manifest son and daughter of God, you follow that scripture. If tribulation rises, you be of good cheer. And don't just cheer up because you're working yourself up, but cheer up because he has done the overcoming. Cheer up because he has done defeated the enemy that you are fighting. This is the reason why you're saying you start to cheer up. Again, it says in Psalm 24, 7, it said the angel of the Lord encompass around them to fear him. Now, how many in this building fears the Lord? Then I want you to know that according to the word, there is an angel that is encamped around you right now. Not because I said it, but that is what the word says. That if you fear the law, there is an angel encamped around you. What are you supposed to fear about? What are you supposed to be worried about? There is an angel that has come to reign about you, dumb to fear the Lord. And he's not just there to just walk around with you, but he's there to deliver you. He's encamped around them and delivered them. He's the one walking around you, fighting all the enemies that are trying to attack you. When you are driving in your car and Satan is trying to get you off the road, he's the one that is right there. The reason why that day you didn't get in an accident is because that angel was standing there with you. The reason that day you didn't fall was because that angel was standing there with you. That is the word of God. Again, it says Psalm 34, 18. He said, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. You came to the servant with a broken heart. You came to the service with worry. 
The Lord is nigh unto you. You've got an angel encamping around you. You've got a Lord that is nigh unto you. What is your worry? And save us, such as be of a contrary spirit. You control it in your heart. Spirit is contrast. Right on the spirit realm and many voices coming through and voices of discouragement and, and different voices coming through. I want you to know that the Lord is not unto you. And all you have to do is reach and touch him. All you have to do is reach and touch him. You reach out and touch him and watch him come on the scene. And the way you touch him as you had this morning is boy faith. It's believing that he is able because he said it's nigh and it's just not nigh to just be there. He's nigh to bring the word into action. He's nigh to bring the word into action again, to bring it into fulfillment. The word again says, Romans 8, 27. No, let's go to Psalms 34, 19, sorry. Or is it Psalm 34? Yeah, Psalm 34, 19. He said, many are the afflictions of the righteous. I believe everyone in here can identify with that. Many are the affliction of the righteous. But the scripture does not stop there. But the Lord... See, the battle is not your battle. The one that is afflicting you is not afflicting you. He's afflicting the Son of God. But he said, the Lord delivered him from them all. He doesn't deliver you from some of them. It delivers you from all of them, from all of the afflictions. That is the manifestation. That is what the Word says about you. The word goes on to say, Romans 8, 27. And these are just some few ones. He said, nay, in all things. He didn't say some things, but he said in all things. He said, in all things, not only I, but we, his bride, is more than a conqueror. In all things, we are more than a conqueror. We are more than a conqueror. Conqueror, when COVID comes in the way, you are more than a conqueror. Brother Virgilio, you are more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. When cancer comes in the way, we are more than a conqueror. In all things. When brain bleed came in the way of Sister Karen, the bride was more than a conqueror. And we can see what God is doing in life for Brother Ron Spencer. He is more than a conqueror. And that is not through our strength. It is not by our might, but it is through him that loved us. The word again says in 1 John 4, 4, is that ye are of God. 
You are not a son, Brother Branham, as they of Charles and Ella Branham, but ye are of God. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. I said, you are of God, little children. I didn't say that you are going to overcome them, but I said you have overcome them. You have overcome them. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is the God that is in you than the COVID that is in the world. Greater is the God that is in you than the depression that is coming your way. Greater is the God that is in you than the financial problem, than the family problem, or than the weakness that you've got. Greater is the God that is in you. And I believe it is time to wake that God up. Hallelujah. I believe it is time to wake him up, right, of Christ. And you may say, but... You know what, oh you have oh you've gone years after years and and oh you've been holding on these promises and years has gone boy and years have gone by and I have been holding on these promises but it never seemed to come to pass. I want you to remember and order them that you are a seed of Abraham. Abraham did not stagger out of promise. But he was strong in faith. And he's still there. And he kept on believing on the word. He kept on holding on to the word. Years went by. But he believed what God told him. Because that wasn't his word. That wasn't his promise. That wasn't a mental thing that he came up with. But that was God that spoke to him. And gave him a promise that you were going to receive a child. And Abraham said, my soul is going to rest on that. I am not going to depart from it. But I am going to wait until the promised son comes. And here you've been waiting for years and you're saying, but the promises are not happening. I want you to look another promise. Isaiah 40, chapter 30, or 31. It said, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You have been waiting on the Lord. Don't worry, you will renew your strength. You see, Abraham kept on waiting on the Lord, and his strength began to get renewed. The scripture said that they shall man up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. And Abraham held on to the word, and it came a time that he started to mount up with wings of eagles. He started man up on some wings, that those wings started to change his body. They started to change his condition. They started to change his appearance. He didn't walk like an old man anymore. He didn't run like an old man anymore. But there was something that started to change in his life. And you just keep waiting on the Lord. And he's going to give you a set of wings that you're going to start a storm on the winds of fate, on the current of fate. And when you start a storm on those current of fate, you're going to find your trouble just to be that little because you'll be soaring high knowing that you are in the arms of God. That's the promise that has been given to the bride of Christ. And I believe that we are living in the season 
We are living in a scene, and as the bride of Christ, that I don't believe that we have to be going around in a circle of unbelief and faith, and unbelief and faith, and unbelief and faith. I believe it is time for us to break out of that circle and to go on to full faith, because as we heard this morning, oh, there is a perfect faith that has been given to the bride. There is a perfect faith that the Lord is wanting to bring you to. It's time to get out of the cycle of unbelief, the cycle of doubt. It's time to get into a cycle of full assurance, a cycle of full belief. Hallelujah. It's time to come out of a cycle where we've been tossed to and fro by the enemy. Leaving on top on the mountain on a Sunday and down on the valley and we were sand and all those kind of things on a Monday morning. It's time to break out of those cycles. The time is fast spent. This message has got a power of deliverance. This message has got a power to live a holy life. This message has got a power to live on top of the mountain. And even though when you were in the valley, you were still believing and holding on to God because there is a deep anchor in you that you know for a surety that God has brought you down in the valley for a purpose, to mold your character, to make you better, to set you ready for a rapture to come. I believe it's time to break out of the cycle. Hallelujah, because I believe this is the time we are living in the season of the manifestation. We are living in the season of restoration, amen. Hallelujah. The word has come to us for, to bring us a rapture and fade, to bring us overcoming power, to bring us total deliverance. Not a pathway deliverance, but to bring us total healing. Not a pathway healing. That's what the word has come for. As the Lord is leading us this evening on restoring of a shaving experience. But the brand must speak on restoration, and we all know this called restoration of the bright tree. 1962, Jeffersonville, Brother Branham will say, to restore means to bring back. To restore means to bring back. Or to restore a claim, to restore a claim can be enforced. Now to bring anything back to its rightful owner where it belongs. He said, therefore, some, some way it went away from its rightful owner and can wander around anywhere. But to restore is to bring it back to who really owns it. Or to bring it back to its natural estate. Where it was at the first time. Bring it back into its natural condition. And in order to do this, we have a right to enforce, if there is a law, to enforce this right condition of restoration. Remember one time speaking to young people, and this quote said, the but to restore is to bring back to who really owns it. And I want to ask the same question this evening. Who really owns the joy of the Lord? Who really owns the Holy Ghost? Who really owns peace? 
Who really owns deliverance? Who really owns it? It is the bride that owns it. But there is a devil that comes and tries to squat it away. But this evening, you've got it right. Hallelujah. You have got it right. You have got a right to enforce that claim. It might come and shave off an experience, but you have got a right. I said you have got a right, bride of Christ. You can restore it back. You can go and say, Satan, give it back. Give me back my joy. Give me back my son. Give me back my daughter. Where you live in that station. Friends, we are not going to limit God. But we're going to let God have his full cars into pride. Friends, we have had the word. We have had it many times. But it come time for someone to take that word and start to act upon it. It has come time for someone to start to act upon that word. And it is you that have been selected. It is you that has been called to act upon that word. He didn't call Elijah to act upon him to say, he called you to act upon him. You say, but it is dark, but you are the light. Hallelujah, you are the light. You go and let that light shine right in the midst of darkness. Show the enemy that you are a son of God. Let the enemy know on which side you are on. Let the enemy know that you are not going to be pushed back and forth by his deceit and by his plans and by his words. But let the enemy know that you are going to stand, that you are going to stand for God, that you are going to take his word and you are going to go and slay him. Oh, hallelujah. See, the enemy had fought me this awake, but now this is my turn. And not so much my turn, but this is God's turn. He might have fought you this week, but this is your turn. This is your turn. You have the sword in your hands. And I want you to know that when he went out, he just had a bow, but he had no arrows. He had a bow, but he had no arrows. Brother Branham will say, that means that he's a bluff. That is what he is, just a bluff. Without any power, but you have been given all the power that is in heaven. And the Bible says, and the word says, that the angels of heaven are backing you up. That God will bankrupt heaven for your sake. Oh, friends, what are you scared of, babe? What are you waiting for? Brother Brown will speak about the writing that was in that stadium. And he would say it's not so much the, the, the size of the dog in the fight, but it's so much about the, the size of the fight that is in the dog. Friends, it doesn't matter how small we are. It doesn't matter that we are just a little piece of people, that the people despise us. It doesn't matter. But friends, what matters is the size of the God that is living in you. What matters is the size of the word that is living in you. Oh, hallelujah, bride of Christ. That is what matters. Restoring a saving experience. You have a right to bring it back. Satan can hold it. You see, Samson, 
See, Samson had experienced the power of God. He had experienced the power of God. He had killed a lion. He had killed a lion with a jawbone. He had slain a thousand Philistines on his shoulders. He parked the gates of Gaza. That was Samson. Samson operating in his commission. That was Samson because that was what the word said about Samson. The word said that Samson was going to be a Nazarite. The word said that Samson was going to deliver the children of Israel from the Philistines. And Brother Branhams would say that that was God's provided way to deliver the children of Israel. It was Samson. He was the man. He was the anointed one for that age or for that time. But you see, Samson made a mistake. The Samson did not fully surrender. Samson did not fully surrender. He gave law the strength, but he gave his heart to the desires of his flesh. That was the problem with Samson. And it was a big problem. See, the word of God will still go on. And see, Samson still had victories. But he wasn't operating in the full potential of what was given to him. Because he had an unsurrendered heart. And friends, sometimes we might be having a victory. And God might be sending a blessing. But one thing we ought to check and make sure about is that we have a surrendered heart. See, Jesus had a surrendered heart. He surrendered everything he had to the point where he even forsook of having a family and having a home. He surrendered everything. The Bible will say that he sanctified himself for their sake. He surrendered all that he had because there was a word that was spoken about him. There was something that he was called to fulfill. And he said, but Samson didn't. He only gave a part of himself to the Lord. But what God wanted was full control of Samson. God wanted a full control. God wanted to take care of every moment of Samson. See, God didn't only want to be present when Samson was in trouble. See, God doesn't want only to be present. He doesn't want to hear your voice calling on him only when you are in trouble. Only when trouble hits the home, and that is when we remember about the family altar. That is not what he's looking for. That is not a full surrendered heart. But what is looking for? That whether there be sunshine or whether there be darkness, that you're still calling on his name. That whether you're up on top on the mountain or you're down on the valley, that you're still holding on to him. That is a surrendered heart. That is what he's looking for. You want a perfect fate? Start to surrender it all to him. You want to speak the word? Start to surrender everything to him. 
What did he tell Brother Branham? He said, you be more sincere. And he was the prophet of the age. If there ever was a man or ever sin was sincere, was Brother Branham. Except Jesus Christ. He was sincere, but yet the Lord said, you be more sincere. I remember Brother Branham that day. He would tell the story. And it always strikes me. When he was dealing with the public service, not a public service, when he was dealing with, oh, I forgot what it was, but it was the problem with the government and had to do with the taxes or whatever it was. And one day they phoned home and, and he had already been with one of the judges or one of the attorneys or whatever it was. And he was home and they phoned home and he ran out of the door and told Sister Mita, tell them I'm not home. And later he went to pray for that boy. And when he went, the, the Lord rebuked him and said, well, you, you know where to pray for him. You go back and make it right. And Brother Branham went back and he made it right. But that wasn't enough for him. He went all the way up to the mountain to stay there and pray through and say, you Lord, help me and take that spirit off of me. You talk about sincerity. We will probably just brush it off and say, well, I just made it right with them. It's fine. I can just move on. But you see, that was the spirit. But Abraham recognized it. And he noticed that is the spirit. And if I don't deal with it now, it's going to haunt me again down on the road. And it might be something even more serious than death. And he said, I have to deal with it. Friends, let us not brush off our weaknesses. Let's deal with them. Full surrender. That is what is going to bring the perfect love. That is what is going to prepare the bride. Full surrender. But Samson didn't want to know, have anything to do with full surrender. Perfect strength with perfect weakness. 1961, Jeffersonville. We've got to make a complete surrender. And come to God. You've got, you've got to surrender to him both soul, body, and spirit. Everything that you are has to be surrendered to God in order that he can work his will in you and me. This quote stroke me. He said everything that you are has to be. In other words, it must be surrendered to God. In order that he, so for him to work his will on you, you have to surrender everything. And Brother Brad will say this morning, the faith is the revelation of the will of God to you. And how are you going to get the revelation of the will of God if you don't have everything surrendered? Because he said everything must be surrendered to him in order that he can work his will. So how is that perfect faith going to come without you surrendering? God always wants a full surrender. This is me. This is not the prophet anymore. He said, God always wants a full surrender. But what does Samson do? He just gave his body. 
and gave his soul to Delilah. And you can give your body and show up in church. And you can give your body and not miss one service. But sit right in the pew and your heart is not there with him. Said right in church, like before Brother asked started this morning, I liked it. He said, forget about everything. Now, what do you have to deal with in the next hour? Or what do you have to deal with this week? And, and what do you have to do and what is going on in the world? Forget about all of it. But that hasn't only has to be in a servant. It must be in your daily walk. Yes, we do have to care about the things of the world. We do have to care about our work. We do have to care about the family. We do have to care about it. But your arena must be, must be connected with him all the time to say, Lord, what will you have me do? Samson did not surrender at all. But the Branham will say that, it all started with only one step too long. Just one step too long. And that sounds like a lady that was in the Garden of Eden by the name of Eve. Just one step too long. He stayed and watched Delilah for just a little too long. And when I'm speaking about Delilah, I'm not just talking about a, a girl or whatever. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the world. We're talking about the distractions. We're talking about our conditions. We're talking about our symptoms. He stood a little too long with that. With Delilah. And started to admire Delilah. There was a man in the book of Revelation. That when he saw the horror, he started to stand a little too long. He started to admire that whore. He started to admire the beauty of her. And the angel called his attention and said, what are you doing? What are you looking at her, admiring her? Come, let me show you who she really is. It stood a little too long. And something that we stay a little too long. We stay a little too long to observe our symptoms. Stay a little too long, long to observe our conditions. To observe what we're going through and the struggle that we're going through. We stay a little too long to observe that, to look at that, what is going on. And Samson stayed just a little too long. And as he stayed a little too long, Satan started to take a foothold in his life. Satan started to take a foothold in his life and... Very soon, Samson will come to realize that he's got two masters in his life that he has to serve. But you see, you can never serve two masters. You're eventually going to give up to one or the other. And Samson thought that he was going to make it to be able to please both of them. But we know how the story goes. That in the long run, Samson came to a point that he had to surrender to one of them. He had to surrender to one of them. You see, if you give Satan an inch, he will take two. And when he takes two, 
he's going to want to take three. And you just keep on taking and eventually squat you off your own mind. That's what he does. His taxes has never changed. But strange enough, he seemed to be always successful in it. But not, but not, but not until today. Because tonight he's going to be exposed. He's already exposed. We don't have to expose him. He's already exposed. But we're just going to remind ourselves that he has been exposed. Amen. But you see, all Satan was looking for, when he found that whole, that weak spot, all what he was looking for was the strength and the power that, that Samson had. He was looking for his strength. He was looking for his power. And that was the same thing he was doing to Eve, trying to find the secret. He knew the secret, but was trying to get her to compromise on it. And the Bible will say that Delilah pressed Samson daily. Daily. Every day he was pressing Samson. Samson, tell me. Samson, you said that you love me. Tell me. And that's what Satan is doing today. He's pressing us daily. Pressing us with the tents of the world. Pressing us with the news. Pressing us with the conditions. Pressing us with Laodicea. Pressing us with lukewarmness. Every day, every morning, there is some new something that comes up that seems to bring us down. If it is not from the news, it is from the family. If it is not from the family, it is from the job. If it is not from the job, it is from the car. Every day, pressing us. And every day, he pressed Samson. And he wasn't just pressing on his weakness. But he was pressing to find, where is dear strength? Where is Samson's strength? And Satan is pressing on the bride to figure out where is her strength? Where can I cut that lifeline out? But he's failing to remember that this bride is not going to be deceived. That this bride is not like Eve. And he can search, and he can search, and he can search, but he is never going to find it. Oh, hallelujah. He is never going to find it. Because she is different. Because she is in the chamber. Because she is in the tent. No one can see what is going on in the tent. And Satan cannot see what is going on in the tent. But he will keep pressing, trying to find it out. And that was what he tried to do with the church down through the ages. And he kept on pressing. And, and as he pressed Samson... Samson started to do something that he was not supposed to do. He started to play around. And don't you play around. He started to play around and he said, Oh, Samson, tell me where thy strength lies. 
And Samson said, oh, you know what? You know, if you get a green, seven green wits that has never been wet, and you point me with them, all my strength will be gone, and I'm going to be just like an older man. And Delilah went ahead, and she done us. And the cry came, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But Samson rose up and shook himself like any other day, and he went on the discomfort of the enemy. Brother Branham will take that and will type it down through the church ages and it will say it was in the age of Luther when the Catholic and the Nicaea Council they came together and they, sorry, and they were trying to bind the church and they said Samson the Philistines is upon you but the Lord rose to Martin Luther to stand against that he rose to Martin Luther to fight against that all I'm quoting this from where is thy strength gone Samson took on uh, no, where's the strength come, Samson? Los Angeles, 1959. And he would say, you know, he raised the blue against that. But again, Delilah came and he said, Samson, you have mocked me. And you didn't tell me all the truth. Now tell me where that I can paint you. Oh, my, the devil. And Samson started to play around again. And he said, if you get a new robe that has never been occupied, and you buy me with that, I am going to be just like another man. And he did, if you buy me with that, all my strength will be gone, and I'll be like another man. And Delilah went ahead, and she told us. And said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But Samson rose again and shook himself. Brother Branham again typed that and would say after Luther came, the Luther church denominated itself. And you know, the enemy and the church came into denomination and, and they came again and said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And the Lord rose to John Wesley on the scene and he broke the pains that was coming against the church. And that was sanctification. And you see, that has been our journey. When we were saved and when we came to the Lord, the enemy came to us and he told us that he kept on remembering us about our past sins and he kept on remembering us about the things that we've done. But there was a justification that came in and revealed to us that we never done it in the first place. And when we caught that revelation, it broke every bone of the enemy and we were set free from those sins. But he didn't stop there. When we got a sanctification, he came back to us and he told us, you are not going to be able to live holy. Your desires are never going to change. We were always going to be a slave to the enemy. But it's a sanctification that came in and cleansed us and purified us and took away that desire and set us aside for service. But Delilah didn't stop there. He came again and he said, Samson, you've mocked me again. Where is thy strength? And Samson started to get close to the truth. And he said, if you weave my seven locks with the web, then my strength will be gone. And he, she did it. But again, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he broke the pounds and again won the victory. And Brother Branham will bring it to the Pentecostals. The Philistines are upon you, 
But you see, they were close. They were very close to the truth. But some of the Philistines are upon you. And Pentecost rose and, and they broke the bounds. But the problem with Pentecost is that they kept on playing with Delilah. They kept on playing with Delilah. And friends, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, don't keep on playing with the world. Don't keep on playing with the tents of the world. Don't keep on flirting with Delilah. But make sure you come to adoption. Make sure you come to a rest. Make sure you come to a full ceiling and a full surrender. Don't be playing with Delilah and say, oh, you've got the Holy Ghost. And you just sit back and say, oh, you've got the Holy Ghost. That's what they did in Pentecost. We've got the gift of the speaking in tongues. We're done. That is our evidence. There's nothing else to it. If you speak in tongues, you've got it. And they stop there. Sometimes we come to a place, oh, because I overcame that, that is it, I am done. I've got a Holy Ghost, hit a seal that is over. All I have to do is go to church until the rapture. You're playing with Delilah. Just go to church until the rapture. You're playing with Delilah. But what the Pentecost do? Brother Branham will say, going on, and where is thy strength gone? And, and I said, and now we find. No, let me start here. Well, let me just take it from here. And said, and then. And then there came another messenger, the Philistines are upon thee. And then raised up the Pentecostal group and broke the threads of the binding of the barriers of denomination and so forth. And now we find them just bound, just about bound up again. No, just about bound up. That's too bad. But it's the truth. And now we find in the Pentecostal church, the very thing that the world used to bind the others is binding the Pentecostal church. And I said, that's just exactly why? Because Delilah was just pressing on them. So eventually they gave up and, and well, you know, the Pentecostal went into denomination. And when the, when the enemy, Delilah, eventually find the secret because eventually, you know, as, as Samson was being pressed daily, he eventually told Delilah what the secret was and, and you know how he, he laid on, on her knees and shaved off those seven locks and and here was the church and the Pentecost and, and everything was shaving off and the secret was being revealed and, and the secret they had was just the word. It was the word. That was what was taken away from them. That was the secret. Because they wanted a creed. Because they wanted a dogma. And once they had to find that out, he gave it to them. And when he took that away, what happened? And here was Samson now. He was buried in brass. And here was Samson in prison, and he was treading the wine. Here it was that he was bound. And that's what we find. And we don't mean to run, run, you know, the Pentecostal church down. Brother Ed was saying that, you know, we don't want to say, you know, just run them off and just say, you don't know. It's all the work of grace. It's all God's plan. As he said, there are some good people out there. Amen. We don't want to run them down, but that is just what happened. Amen. And we don't want to be like that. 
But you see, I, Samson was there in the prison and he was grinding away. Something started to happen. Because you see, Samson had a promise. There was a promise that was given to Samson. Samson was to deliver the children of Israel. No matter what happened, he had a promise. There was something that he had to fulfill. And as he was there, and as he was barren, and as Pentecost was barren, there was something that was happening. There was a word that was going forth. There was a message that was going forth. Something was happening as he was barren, and he was pushing the wine press, and he was just going around, and going around in a denominational realm, and going around in a dogma, and going around in a creed. Oh, hallelujah. There was a hair that started to grow again on Samson's head. Oh, hallelujah. There was a hair that started to grow again on Samson's head. Because Samson had a promise. Hallelujah. And you have a promise to be the manifested word in this last age. And nothing could burn him. You see, the prison bars couldn't burn him. The hair started to grow. Hallelujah. The hair started to grow. And there is nothing, as Brother Dan said, there is nothing that's going to stop this bride. You can appoint this bride. You can appoint her in a change of fetters. You can put her in a prison. And she's going to break forth. You know, one time what he did, he took Daniel and he went and put him in a lion's den. And he thought, I'm going to have him banned because he's serving the law and he's not following the rules that has been put in the land. Hallelujah. He's not following those rules, so we're going to put him on a lion's den. And they put him on a lion's den, but you see, there was a promise. See, Daniel was faithful. Daniel stood on the word. Hallelujah. Or oh, even when they said, you cannot pray, Daniel didn't care. He opened his windows, and he went ahead, and he prayed. Hallelujah. He went ahead, and he prayed, because God said so. Because God said, if you will turn your eyes onto the temple, and you will call upon me, I will hear you. Hallelujah. And there was a time of deliverance that was drawing nigh. And someone needed to pray. Oh, someone needed to pray. And Satan didn't want that. So he wanted to point him in a lion's den. And Satan didn't want you. And he'll try to point you in a lion's den. Oh, but I wanted to know that right in there, there was a pillar of fire that came down in that den. Oh, hallelujah. A pillar of fire came down in there, and it proved that Daniel was the son of God, and the lions couldn't even touch him. And Satan may put you in a lion's den, but I want you to know there is a pillar of fire that is going after you. There is an angel that has encamped around you. The lion's den couldn't hold him. Whenever you have this message playing, the angel of the Lord is there. When you're walking down the street and you got your earboards in and you're playing the message, there are angels right there walking next to you. Right in the lion's den, they couldn't touch him. 
or the saddle kept firing off and they saw another three boys that they were also not trying to bow to the image that they were erecting or for the, for the kingdom that was in the day of Nebuchadnezzar and there were three fellas that said we are not going to bow they said we are not going to bow to the rules of this land we are not going to bow to your own ideas and your own ideology and your own idol worshipping we are not going to bow to and there was a bride on the stage that is saying we are not going to bow we are not going to bow to the tents of this world we are not going to bow to COVID-19 we are not going to bow to cancer we are not going to bow to brain bleed we are not going to bow to restrictions only but we are going to let God have his way and his bride hallelujah and they said we will not bow they said we will not bow and they said if you will not bow we're going to put you in a fiery furnace and they said fair enough you put us in a fiery furnace we want you to know Ken that we're not going to bow even in the fiery furnace if the Lord doesn't deliver us we do not care because we know if it doesn't deliver us we are going to another land and that is where we're going to live forever and we'll just be waiting for the saints to make it and join us there And they went ahead and put him on the lion's den. Oh, but that was a promise. That was a promise. You cannot save of that experience. You cannot save it off. Oh, that was a promise. And right in there, there were three in there, but a fourth man showed up. Oh, he can put you in the lion's den. I want you to know that the fourth man is going to show up. The fourth one is bound to show up. Because you have stood on the word of God. Because you have said that you will not bow. Oh, hallelujah. You cannot shut this word in. You cannot bind this bride. Oh, Satan, you better know that. You cannot bind this bride. You cannot hold that down. This is her season. This is her time. Hallelujah. Oh, friends, I tell you. Oh, we are sick and tired of the devil. We are sick and tired of his tricks. Oh, this is our time. This is our season. This is a season of restoration. This is a season of overcoming. This is a season of full deliverance. Oh, hallelujah. And they couldn't hold him. Oh, but he didn't stop one day. There was another two fellas. The name of Paul and Silas. Oh, they had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But the people at that time didn't like, you know, didn't like their worship. They didn't like their worship. They didn't like their attitude. They didn't like their dedication. They didn't like their sincerity. They didn't like their full surrendered heart. And they said, we're going to put them in the prison. We're going to put them in there. And we're going to lock them up. Oh, friends, the animal tends is going to lock up the Holy Ghost. You try lock him up. You go ahead and lock up the Holy Ghost. You try it. One time, doesn't all remember that one time we put him in a tomb and the tomb that was rolled in front of it couldn't even keep him in there? Oh, dumb devil, don't you remember that? Don't you remember that? And you're coming around trying to play around with the bride of Christ? You chose the wrong bunch of people, devil. You chose the wrong bunch of people. Because the same Holy Ghost that was in God is in them today. And if you didn't hold them bound in a tomb, you're not going to hold them bound and let us here. 
And they tried to shut Paul and Silas in there. And they tried to put them in there. And they said, we're not going to let them go. Oh, but they had an attitude. Right around midnight, right in the darkest of night. Oh, hallelujah. When everything was dark, when the prison was silent, and everyone was sleeping. You see, the denominational church, they were sleeping. Because it was midnight. They were all sleeping. The foolish virgin was sleeping. Oh, but there was a cry in their heart. They had a cry from above that we ought to praise the Lord. We ought to sing some praises to the Lord. That he ought to sleep, but we're going to sing some praises. We're going to start to glorify our God. And Paul and Silas start to sing. And Paul and Silas start to pray. You want to bind the Holy Ghost? You try it. You receive the experience of the Holy Ghost and see if something is going to hold you pain. I was one time bound, but not until I received them. Oh, when it came in my life, oh, I tell you something changed. Oh, the old Maxwell died. Oh, he died some long time ago. Oh, hallelujah. But a new man came in, and that was the true Maxwell. That was the true son of God that came in. Brother Brennan, Brother Ed was saying at the end of the service, he said, I have not met the true you yet. I have not met the true you yet. I haven't met the true you yet because the true you is shut on in you. And nothing can hold that true you from really expressing itself. I tell you, these bars of bones are not going to hold the Holy Ghost from expressing itself. The conditions of this world are not going to hold the Holy Ghost from expressing itself. The condition of this world are not going to hold us from a rapture. And Paul and Silas praised the Lord. And guess what happened? The prison bars started to break. The chains started to break down. You cannot shut down this Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, friends, perhaps you have come to the Holy Ghost. Perhaps you have come to the Holy Ghost. But the enemy has come your way and is shaving off your confidence. And is shaving off your faith. And it's saving off your peace. And it's saving off your joy. It's saving off. It's coming saving it off. But I want you to realize something. There is a possibility. Regardless of what happened, there was a possibility. There is a possibility of restoration. There is a possibility of a revival. It is not going to be a great revival. It is going to be your revival. There is a possibility. I want you to notice 110. Hallelujah. Well, let me read this quote first. Where is thy strength, God, Samson? Is that one hope that we have? I'm sorry for you. We am long, and I might be a little long tonight, but just bear with me just a little bit this evening. Amen. Because we, we, I'm not going to, not me, but the Spirit of the Lord just said that we have to bring it all out. Satan has been attacking this for too long, and I don't want to leave him one piece out. He's been fighting this for, oh my, 
And I'm not going to leave one piece out. So bear with me just a little bit this evening. Amen. You on the stream, and I know it's hard to, to just sit and be watching the screen. So just bear with me and forgive me if we go a bit too long, but just bear with me this evening. Amen. I want to read this quote. Where is thy strength gone, Samson? Is that one hope that we have? And it's Adam Closon saying, saying this, one hope we have. Why they have Samson bound? That was a new shock growed out. But Abraham said, I am praying God that he will grow out of here somewhere a new shock that will shake the Philistines, that it will shake the Philistines like they've never been shook before. He said, I believe God will have it. And I said, if it, won't, if it won't do it through the churches, he will, like, he will take a Christian businessman. He will do it something another. He said, but there will be a shock of power. A secret power of the Holy Ghost growed out again. Just as certain as anything, and it will do the job in the last days. God grant that we are all members with that shock when it comes out. He said in the last days, there is going to be a shock that is going to grow out. And he said, God grant that we are all numbered with that shock. And I don't know you, but I am numbered with that shock. Because that shock was going to do something that had never happened in the life of Samson before. Because they wanted to notice one thing. Those locks could not come on anyone else's head. It couldn't come on anyone else's head. There was only one person that received the promise from an angel that he was going to be the deliverer. There was only one person, no one else, could receive that shock. Only one person was predestinated. And this last age, there is only one person that has received a message from an angel to be the bride, to be the final voice in this last age. See, there was only one person that had a predestinated gene of those type of locks in him. No one else had those type of locks. He was predestinated. It was put on him. It was spoken. The angel spoke. He said, ye are going to have a son. And he will be the deliverer. The genes was only Samson. No one else. And the genes was only in the church. But see, she went out uh, playing around. But that seed had to be manifested. That luck had to come up again. In the last day, it had to shoot out again. It couldn't stay there. See, you can shave your hair off, but it'll grow. There's some people who can't have the hair anymore, and it's fine. But... But you, if you cut your hair, and it'll come back out. And even you guys don't have your hair. Don't worry about it. You're going to have it back. Hallelujah. You're going to have that hair back. Don't you worry about it. 
But you see, a hair will have to grow back again. And your hair is special to you alone. In your hair is a certain gene that no one else has. You know, they use your hair sometimes to trace the DNA and they use it sometimes to trace if someone is your son or not. Because your hair is special. No wonder the Bible will say that he knows the number of the hair that is upon your head. He knows each one of them. It is special. And it was special to Samson. And there came a time that that had to grow up again. <clears throat> and you see, as long as God seen that seven locks, he remembered his promise. The only time that would bring him to remember his promise was when he seen the seven locks. And when he was there and he was a crying him, oh, the locks were growing out. And they were growing out. Hallelujah. And they were growing out. But I want you to remember what Samson was doing when he was grinding. When Samson was grinding, he was thinking on his ways. He was thinking on his ways. You want, the restore, you want those, those seven locks to be restored back? Start thinking on your ways. He was thinking on his ways. He was thinking on the errors that he has made. He was thinking on the compromises that he had made. He was thinking at where he has strayed away from the straight and narrow way. He started to think on his ways. And if you... I've got something shaving off. You start to think on your ways this evening. Start to think back. It was that soldier man that was dying. And one of, one of the soldier boys came to him. And I said, you realize that you're dying? I said, yes, I do. And I said, are you saved? And, and I said, well, I, I left the Lord some time ago. And I said, well, there's something you must do right now. You must go back and recall the very place that you left them. Go back and recall that place. And I said, but he said, you think as out as you can. And eventually said, yes, I found her. And I said, right, start from right there. You want to shave my logs back? Start thinking on your ways. Where did you compromise? Where did you stray away from the straight and narrow way? Go back right there. He's waiting right there. Brother Brennan was speaking about how when you grieve the Holy Spirit, the dove will just fly away and sit right there on a log or something. And he'll just be right there waiting. Waiting to come back in. And he was thinking on his ways. You see, it was Jacob that started to think on his ways. He is raised from his ways, but he started to think. And when he started to think on his way, he had an encounter with an angel. And when he had an encounter with an angel, his walk changed. The way Jacob walked changed. It was Moses that when he started to think on his ways, he met a burning bush. 
And when he met a boy in a bush, his words changed. An 80-year-old man took a stick and went to the greatest nation in that, in, that, in that age and said, I am going to deliver the children of God. When he started to think on his ways, when he started to think on your ways, things started to happen. There's been time that I have thought on my ways and I've seen God move on the scene. There's been time that I have struggled with and I have taught all my ways, and I have seen God come on the scene. He said that he's a present help in time of trouble, and he means it when he said it. Jacob was in trouble. Isaac was in trouble. Samson was in trouble. But he started to think on his ways. Why don't we think on our ways this evening? What if we stray from the straight and narrow way? Why don't we think on our ways? Because the promise is sure. The promise is true. All he needs to see is those seven locks again. All he needs to see is the word restored again. Is to see is the you back with the word again. You back lined up with the word again. Young person, that's all he wants to see. Think on your words this evening, young person. It's later than we think. And we don't say it to scare you, but it's later than you think. It was the prodigal son that started to think on his ways. He has left the father's home, but he started to think on his ways. And instead of asking himself three questions, he might have asked himself many questions. But there are three questions that I will lay out to you this evening. Instead of asking himself, where am I at right now? Where am, where am I at in my walk with the Lord right now? Instead of asking himself another question, where am I? Where am I? And he asked himself another question. Where am I going? Where am I at right now? Where are you at in your walk right now? Where are you? Where are you going? He asked himself these three questions. And the place that he was finding himself this evening, that evening, or whatever time it was, it was in the ways of sin. That was where he was. He was living in sin. That was where Samson was. The Spirit of the Lord had left him. All that he had as run out, that was where he was. His experience had left him. That was where he was. His experience was saving off. That was where he was. His confidence was saving off. That was where he was. That was where he was. He started to ask himself then, who am I? 
Where am I? I am straight away, fair enough. But where am I? Is that a realize I am a son of the can? I am a son of the can. This wasn't where I was born to be. That wasn't where Samson was born to be. That wasn't where the church was born to be. And that's not where the bride is born to be. Where am I? You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You are the bride of Christ. You are Esther. You are David. You had a last Sunday. Is that a realize? I am a son of the can. And he asked himself, where am I going? Where am I going in this condition? He was heading towards death in that condition. Samson was heading towards death in that condition. His eyes were plucked out. He was heading towards death. Jacob was heading towards death. Moses was heading towards death. The church was heading towards death. But he started to think on his ways. And he started to change his attitude. And he said, I will rise up. I'm not going to stay in this dungeon. He said, I will rise up. I don't care the shame that it's going to bring me. I don't care what people are going to say about me. But I will rise up. I want to take a young person this evening. He's on Hammermeister. There was a day he found himself like the prodigal son. He asked himself, where am I at? Where am I at? How's my walk with the Lord? And he realized that wasn't the walk he was supposed to be walking. But it was in a young people's service. And Brother John was speaking. And he was talking about the last acre of your heart. Friends, it is a full surrender. Remember that. He was speaking about the last acre of, of, of my heart. And he started to realize who he was. That he was the son of God. That he wasn't born to stay there. And he asked himself, where am I going? If I keep walking this road. And he realized I am walking towards that. And he said, I will arise. He said, I will arise. And I don't care what people are going to say about me, but I will arise. And he walked in the office. And he confessed. And he said, I need God. And he said from his own mouth, I don't care what people are going to say about me, but I am going on with God. And he said, I am not turning back. 
I am going all the way. And you know what? God had it. Like it was with Sister Weber. God had it. God had it. And he came down and he filled him with the Holy Ghost. And he gave him a surrendered heart. Where are you at? Where are you? And where are you going? There is a possibility. There is a possibility of restoration. There is a possibility of a revival. And it can be tonight. I don't care where you are at. Whether you're sitting on a, on a couch in the house. I don't care where you are. But there is a possibility this evening. You are called to defeat the Philistines. Oh, hallelujah. There is a possibility this evening. Oh, Satan. Oh, Satan. Oh, you can try and make me weak. You can do what you want. But we're bringing this to the end. Hallelujah. I don't know why he's facing this. But you elusive Satan. Tonight is the showdown. Tonight is the showdown. See, Samson came to the showdown. And when it came to the showdown, they thought that they had Samson pain. They thought that they had a church pain. They thought that they had you pain. But they forgot something. That the locks were growing again. Hallelujah. The locks were growing again. There was a revival happening in the life of Samson. See, they took out Samson's eyes. But there's something that they forgot. There's something that they forgot. That the outward man is the one that looks with the eyes of the, of the natural eyes. But there was an inward man that walks with faith. And see, they plucked out his eyes, but they forgot that the real eyes wasn't his eyes. Oh, hallelujah. See, Satan doesn't realize that the real eyes is not these two eyes. It is not what we see. It is not what he puts around us. It is not the circumstance that you are in. It is not the situation. Oh, hallelujah. It is not the situation that you are going through. Oh, glory. That is not what we see. He's a dumb devil. He blocked out the wrong town. He blocked out the wrong town. Because Samson's eyes were out. But there was something else that was happening in the heart of Samson. Samson was coming back in contact with his maker. Oh, hallelujah. He was coming back in contact with his maker. 
Something was happening on the inside. Oh, I hope you see here. Oh, I hope you see here. Oh, friends, he can put COVID around us. He can put restrictions around us. Oh, he can put the council of churches together. Oh, but there is something that is happening on the inside. On the inside. On the inside of the pride. Oh, hallelujah. And that is God that is on the inside. That was what was happening with Samson. Something was going on on the inside. And all the lords of the Philistines had gathered together. Oh, my. And this evening, all the lords of the Philistines might have been gathered together against you. Against you, Sister Cheryl. All the lords of the Philistines might have gathered together, but they gathered around the wrong person. Oh, hallelujah. They gathered around the wrong person, Sister Susan. They gathered around the wrong person, Sister Terry. They gathered around the wrong person, Brother Caleb. Oh, hallelujah. They gathered around the wrong person. Oh, he tried to gather himself around Brother Ron Spencer. He gathered around himself around the wrong person. And all the lords of the Philistines were gathered together. All the lords of, of the all the lords of, of discouragement were gathered together. All the lords of depression were gathered together. Oh, that was a ninth. Oh, they had us, they thought they had something pain. Oh, my. All the lords of anxiety were gathered together. All the lords of complex were gathered together. Oh, they thought they had something pain. But they didn't realize what was going on on the inside of Samson. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, Samson was communing with the Lord. Oh, Samson was making things right. Oh, Samson was getting ready for the last run. Brother Danny. The laws of the Philistine might have been gathered together around here, but they gathered around the wrong person. Sister Elisa, they gathered around the wrong person. Oh, friends, it was around the wrong person. And when the log started to grow, Brother Branham will say, oh, where's that quote? Brother Branham will say, the Samson's greatest victory over his enemy was at his, at what at his end time. Hallelujah. His greatest victory was at his end time. And the greatest victory of the church, the greatest victory of the bride, is at the end time. It is at the darkest of time. It is at the hardest of time. That is when the bride is going to have the greatest victory. And he might have brought you to the darkest of nine, to the end of your road. But this is your time for your victory. This is your season for your victory. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, 
you. I wonder if there are some Samsons in this building. Oh, if there are some Samson that are ready to lay their hands upon the two posts. Oh, hallelujah. To lay your hands upon the two posts this evening. Oh, hallelujah. It's all in your hands now. It is your season. It is your time. It was the last rush. But that was when Samson had a greater strength. This is when the bride has got the greatest strength. Why? Because God and her has become one. Hallelujah. She and God has become one. All the mysteries don't be revealed. Oh, he's out of time. Oh, he's shaving it off. But this evening, those, those locks, it's come time for them to be restored again. And you know what happened? Samson died with those locks. He died with those locks. And when he died with those locks, you know what is going to happen to Samson? He will be there on the resurrection morning. Oh, hallelujah. He will be there on the resurrection morning. Oh, and if you will die out, oh, you will be there on the resurrection morning. Hallelujah. You will be there on the resurrection morning. Why? Because he has come back in contact with God. I wonder if there are some Samsons in the spirit on this evening. If there are some that want to raise their hands. If there are some that are going to stand on their feet just like Samson. And they're going to put their hands upon the two posts. Oh, all the loss of the Philistines they gathered this evening. Oh, but you are Samson. You are the bride of Christ. Let the musicians start to come. This is your season. Oh, friends, don't let this pass you by. I don't know why Satan has fought this sermon over and over again. But I believe there is a purpose. I believe Believe there is a purpose. Oh, friends, you lay your hands upon those two posts. Lay your hands upon those two posts this evening. And you'll be the one to cry out, Once more, Lord. Once more, Lord. Just once more, Lord. Once more, grant me a refilling of the Holy Ghost. Once more, Lord. Oh, let the Holy Ghost rip through this building. Just once more. Hold tight those posts and cry out once more. Once more, Lord. Once more! We've come to the end of the road. Once more, Lord! Let the power of the Holy Ghost come and shake this building. Come and shake my temple. Just once more. Just this once more, Lord.
more thank you, Lord. Just this once more, Lord. You cry out to him. Let the Holy Spirit just bruise. Surrender it all. Breaking the barriers. Surrender it all. in the house this evening. Beth has to flee. Some began to praise the Lord, some began to 
peace in the house death has to flee now there is life where darkness used to be now there is hope there's no more doubt praise his name praise his name peace in the house